I'm still here at Necronomicon, and I'm joined now by Brian Cortemanche. Uh, am I pronouncing that right? Yep, that's great, Scott. Okay, Thank sorry. you. <laughs> um, who is a, a, a fellow Call of Cthulhu author uh, who I've worked with recently on uh, the upcoming Flotsam and Jetsam project. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, uh, Brian, can, can you just start off a little bit by telling us about your, your background with Call of Cthulhu? Oh, gosh. Uh, sure. Um, I started playing Call of Cthulhu... Uh, probably around 1986. Hmm. So it's been quite a few years. I discovered it. Uh, this was, of course, pre-internet. So uh, I discovered it uh, in the local hobby and game shop. Hmm. And uh, it was so different from uh, Dungeons and & Dragons and some of the other games that were out there. So uh, I immediately fell in love with it. Uh, and also, uh, being a New Englander, uh, having uh, the focus on H.P. Lovecraft, uh, who I had read some of his material... So having that, that sort of local focus or having that, uh, that, that local author be the focus of the game was an added uh, joy. And it really encouraged me to go and, and become more of a, a, a reader of H.P. Lovecraft. So really the game encouraged... I, I was aware of Lovecraft before I ran into the game, but the game really did encourage me to go back and read more Lovecraft. And then that in turn has, has informed some of my gaming. And, and, um, and yeah, it's just been a wonderful... Uh, uh, love affair with the game since I first ran into it back in the uh, the late 80s. I mean, that's an interesting point. I mean, uh, you you come from Lovecraft country. You you, you, come, you live in Boston, don't you? Well, yeah, I live about a half an hour north and west of Boston right now, but right. I've always lived uh, a few miles out of the city, so... Yeah, yeah so, I, I mean, does that sort of make Lovecraft country and, you know, the, his work all the more frightening to you or effective to you because, you know, this is home territory. Yeah, I, I don't know if it makes it more effective, but uh, maybe uh, I, maybe more affecting to me, I suppose, yeah. because, uh, you know, growing up uh, in this area, I think what it what it's done is it, it's made me, uh, both his, his literature as well as the game, have made me look at where I've grown up uh, through a different lens, mm. um, uh, looking for the places that that spark Lovecraft's imagination, the places that he sort of imprinted on or or set his stories, as well as many of the game scenarios have done the same. So, uh, um, yeah, I, I think um, uh, because it's home territory, uh, yeah, I, I, I like to see the potential of the of the area. Uh, for for gaming, I, I like the big globe-spanning Call of Cthulhu campaigns, but I think there's something about sort of horror of, of small towns of a region um, that can be uh, profound in ways that some of that globe-trotting stuff. I, mm. I don't. I, I just. It's a, It's it's those are those are great fun as well. Um, but there's something about uh, working with a place that you know pretty well. Yeah. That uh, that that uh, has a bit of a different flavor to it or a different. Uh, angle that you approach it yeah I, I mean that's that's interesting because I, I i think you know for most call of cthulhu fans because it's such a widespread game 
that you know most people are going to uh, well certainly come from somewhere else but may never have you know, visited this area may never have visited New England and you know certainly for me when I first encountered Lovecraft and first encountered Call of Cthulhu you know they, it, it was almost something exotic yeah you know, it, it felt it didn't feel like a real place but mm. you know I, I mean this is something that we, we talked about a little bit when uh, the, you did the scenario for the uh, for Flotsam and Jetsam the yes. Star Brothers yes. because I I hadn't quite anticipated, uh, you know, what you'd said that you were describing areas that you knew intimately. It's, mm. it's not like you know, sort of me sitting down with Google Maps and Street View and stuff like that and reading descriptions. Right. You're, you're writing about your home turf, right? Uh, so, so how does that inform your your sort of development process of stuff set in Lovecraft uh, Country? I think it it, it lets me know uh, what I feel I can. Um, get away with in a sense because uh, I know just geographically I, I feel like I know if something's going to happen in an area uh, and I know we're talking with with the Star Brothers we're not talking it's not a modern day scenario I mean I suppose you could set it in the modern if, if a keeper mm. wanted to move it around a little bit they could but as written it's set in an earlier time so uh, but that said, I feel like um, with knowing the geography, um, you feel like you know what you can get away with. If something's going to happen in, uh, in uh, north of Boston in the, in the salt marshes, um, I feel like I, I have a sense of how the, how the community might react to something strange going on or how um, outrageous maybe something could be before it becomes uh, a focus uh, of the surrounding communities. So uh, if you've got something going on and you're sort of familiar with the area, you have a somewhat of a sense uh, uh, of how the people in the community might respond, how how the geography of the land might impact what's happening yeah. in the scenario, how the investigators uh, into the mysteries are going to have to contend with some of the geography, some of the, the population that, that inhabit, uh, some of how those interactions may or may not go. Um, so now again, it's it, uh, you know we're 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 here in 2019, so there there's going to be some difference between how things might go down today versus you know 100 years ago or, or 90 years ago. But but I, I do I do get a sense that that some of those locations, knowing them, uh, not so much from a book, but really like in your bones, you know, mm. it really allows you to uh, sort of play with events in the scenario but you also sort of know your boundaries or you know sort of where where you can push out a little bit and where those external realities might push back a little bit and inform what's going on well and also i I would have thought it would help as well with just the 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 simple description of places as well because i you, you talk about the salt marshes which provide the main setting for for the star brothers but yeah, I, I I can appreciate sort of the phrase the salt marshes, and I know descriptions from from Lovecraft, and um, but yeah, I, I, I thinking about it, I have no idea what a salt marsh is. Oh, so yeah, when I yeah. look at that scenario, I'm relying entirely on on you bringing it to life, which right. you do an excellent job oh, of. Thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I I've gone to the salt marshes, I've gone to the beaches of of the North Shore of Massachusetts my entire life, so. 
you know, there's the little things. It's the smell of the salt in your nose and how it, it smells very particular in the salt marshes because it's, it's oftentimes it's a brackish kind of smell mm. because it's, it's where the sea meets the land and it kind of trickles in, gurgles in through the reeds and you hear the sound of the reeds, the whispering of the reeds uh, and, and the gurgling of the marshes and how it can be a beautiful environment, but it can also be treacherous. It's all mm-hmm. the sucking mud and just miles of, uh, of, of, of area that look uh, very, very similar to one another. Oftentimes there are no landmarks when you get in there so you have to, um, you know, I mean, I'm not, I don't, I'm not like someone who tracks through the marshes all the time, but, but as someone who has, has grown up going to the, to the beach and going to the marshes and uh, just sort of driving past them, walking through them, you just get those little uh, sense impressions that hopefully I've been able to imbue some of that into the writing um, mm-hmm. to inform the, to inform the scenario. I, and speaking of the scenario, I mean, obviously we don't want to get into details here because it hasn't been published and I'm wary of spoilers. But, um, you know, I do want to say that it is, you know, one of, one of the best Call of Cthulhu scenarios I've read. And I think, you know, for, for this organised play programme, for the fact that it is designed for, you know, potentially new keepers and new players, or certainly new players bring them in, I, I think it's, you know, a very good... Um, example of how to present that in in a sort of simple, direct, but tantalising way. Mm. I, Thank you. Uh, were, were there any particular things that you had in mind uh, to try to make this a, a, a newbie-friendly scenario? I think that I wanted to... This may... T- First of all, thank you. You're very kind to 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 to, to mention the, the scenario and such. That coming from you, that's that's high and great praise. Uh, I think I wanted to. Uh, I don't know if this necessarily encourages new players, but I want the Salt Marsh to almost be a character in and of itself. Mm. Um, and so perhaps. Um, Maybe that engages players of all levels of experience, but for someone who is who's new to it, perhaps uh, it, it might encourage them to really, it might draw them in. Just the, the physical environment of the scenario, the setting might be one more hook to draw them in beyond just the, the sort of the shenanigans, the, the, the happenings that are going on in the, in the scenario itself. I think, um, and again, I'm, I want to be very mindful, again, uh, as you said, of, I don't want to give anything away, Yes. but I, I want the... Um, I want the world that the players are, uh, the investigators are moving through in the scenario to be a, a world worth saving. I want yes. it to be a place worth looking out for, a place worth sticking your neck out for. I've, as, as a player in, in other games of Call of Cthulhu, um, I've been in some games where, although the Keeper has been very, very well-meaning, it seems like the whole universe is against you. Yes. That cosmic horror translates into you just can't catch a break. You know, the NPCs yeah. are, are apathetic at best and downright uh, hostile to your designs uh, at most. And I, I thought, I want this scenario to draw in players, to draw in investigators. So certainly there are non-player characters, characters in, in, in the scenario with their own agendas and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and personalities and, and all of that. But, but I think if it's successful, it will be an environment and a scenario that encourages the players to explore, to get to know some of the the characters that they're interacting with and 
and encourage players to make mistakes, to prod around, to try different things, and not have the sort of hammer of the universe come down on them gleefully or <laughs> immediately. Yes. So that's not to say the scenario is not dangerous. I think there's there's many moments of danger. Mm. Um, another tool that we that we worked into the scenario where some options for the keeper to to ramp up or dial back the level of tension, the level of threat. Yes. So that if you have a group of players that maybe needs a little more encouragement, there are some levers and dials that can be uh, that can be pressed down or pulled back, so that it can be something that showcases the players and their actions, um, and and works with them uh, to their level of experience with the game, to their expectations of the game, as well as that of the keeper. So hopefully that that will be a, a useful tool yeah. uh, in play. I, I think it will be, because I think one thing you got absolutely right with this, for this being an introductory scenario, or potentially introductory scenario, is that it emphasises threat over deadly danger. Mm-hmm. That there's a, a sense that you know, things might go horribly wrong, that you might end up getting killed horribly. But it's more insidious and sinister than, 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 you know, outright gruesome limb-from-limb limb death. I, yes, I, that, thank you. That, I, yeah, there's, there's all, there's, there's, uh, there's lots of ways that, that, that investigators could really get themselves into a, a tight spot, um, but uh, there, there's also a lot of, of, of uh, I, hopefully there, there'll be some experiences where they may be asking themselves, you know, uh, how far should we go? Mm. And, yes. uh, you know, if we, if we pull back here, oh, okay, we, we seem to be okay at the moment, but, but uh, um, if we push, what, what, could be the, what could be the results? Yeah, I didn't want it to be sort of a, a how can I put this, sort of railroady in the sense where you kind of climb in the scenario cart yes. and it just sort of rides you through uh, from beginning to end and all of these things happen to you. And maybe you survive and maybe you don't. Um, I wanted it to be a, a responsive environment. Yes. So that whatever the, the investigators, whenever they poke, does something poke back and, and to what degree? Or does it poke back? And that's really, mm-hmm. it's sort of a, a dance between the keeper and the players, the player investigators, and the personalities and, and the forces of the scenario itself, including things as basic as the landscape. Yes. Um, so, so hopefully it, it's... It's uh, it's straightforward enough for a new keeper to run uh, and enjoy, and and straightforward enough for new players uh, to enjoy, but also has enough texture to it that that veteran players and keepers can also find great value and fun out of the campaign. Oh, absolutely, yes. I mean, we we we've talked about this in terms of you know, being for for new players, but uh, yeah, I, I should make absolutely clear that I think you know any experienced Call of Cthulhu players will have great fun with this as well. well that's the hope. Yeah. Uh, that at the end of the day, it's all about the fun. You know, the fun factor, the delight factor. Uh, yes, I, I hope I, people, I, 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 I'm very mindful and respectful and humbled that, that people are spending some time uh, with this um, scenario. And uh, I know uh, in addition to myself who, who, who wrote it, uh, there's a whole host of people, yourself included, yes, who, who, yeah. who uh, had a hand in this whole uh, organized play and, yeah. and these scenarios. And I know everybody's working very, very hard 
to uh, for the end effect to be to delight people to make uh, to respect and honor that people are they have people have choices with their with their leisure time with their gaming time and we're so excited I know you are mm -hmm. I am we're, we love this game we love this this genre and we just want to express that in, in ways that we can the ways that we know and so I hope that we've done a decent job of, of putting something out there that everybody will ha will afterwards or as they're going through it say I'm enjoying this. I, I think this is going to be a scenario that people talk about for a long time. I, and you, you've got some experience of writing stuff for you know, new keepers and new players, because, of course, you worked on uh, Doors to Darkness as well. Yes, that's that's right, yes. Yes. Uh, w w which scenario was it that you, uh, you wrote for that? I wrote Genius Loci. Oh, yes, of yeah, course. Which yes. is also uh, it's locally based uh, yes. here in New England, specifically Massachusetts. It, it has to do with the... Uh, again, I'm going to try to be very careful about... Yes. I don't want to give anything away, but... Uh, 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 from the thirty thousand foot view up above, it's it has to do with um, goings on at the the, uh, the Danvers State Hospital for oh, the insane, yes. which uh, is gone now, but uh, was a an, uh, was a place that Lovecraft uh, wrote about a little bit in some of his stories. Uh, there was uh, some reference to the Danvers State Hospital, and uh, and existed as a as a place uh, that people uh, lived in and worked at right up until the nineteen eighties. Yeah, I mean, and even even after its closure, and it still has a place in horror history because wasn't it also where Session Nine was shot? That's right. Yeah, uh, to my awareness, uh, it, it was where that film was was shot. So so it does live on uh, yes. in that way. And um, you know, I can't remember where I I either read this or I spoke to someone or I heard this somewhere. So I cannot. I'm not laying claim to this quote, <laughs> and I hope I, I don't do anyone any. I hope not to offend by not remembering who told me this or where I heard this, but someone said to me, uh, uh, you know, scratch history and it bleeds weird. Yes. <laughs> and, I, and, and, and if I'm quoting that or, or, or pulling that from a book or, or some, somewhere, and, and I, I, I wish I could attribute it. It's such a wonderful yes. quote. And so the Danvers State Hospital and that area where it is situated has such an interesting history that... I wanted to play with it a little bit. I wanted to take mm -hmm. the Cthulhu mythos or the, the sort of Lovecraftian cosmic horror and, and sort of uh, kind of uh, mesh it with the actual location and the history of that space, that place, and see what would manifest. And so uh, that was, um, it was, a, it was a lot of fun to write. And uh, again, I hope uh, people have a good time uh, experiencing it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's uh, an interesting point that, or, or at least an interesting approach. I and mean, it's something I find myself doing a lot as well, that there'll be a particular location or a particular event in history, a particular um, person, uh, yeah, a real person, who sparks that that idea mm. that you know you, you sort of encounter just this one bit of of inspiration like in the the Danvers hospital yeah. and sort of think oh yeah I, I I have to do something with that I mean, do, do you find with something like Danvers I mean this is something I've encountered with a lot of the historical stuff I've done that the history of the place and the reality of it is so dark in itself mm. that you know by by turning it into a Lovecraftian horror game, you're you're almost lightening the tone. Yeah, I, I certainly um, uh, uh, with with something like that scenario. Um, you know, I, I recognize that um, you know um, there were a lot of people there over the years that. Uh, 
you know, had had problems, had issues, uh, uh, things, personal. Every one of them had a personal story, and the scenario scenario is not meant in any way to sort of lighten uh, the 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 struggles that that anyone mm-hmm. has with mental illness or or whatever situation they may be in, which requires or required some sort of institutionalization. Uh, and, and so certainly it, it's not meant to, uh, to, to make light of anyone's uh, situation no, or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, maybe I'll phrase that badly. When I say lightning, I, I didn't mean sort of in a, a fun or comical way, but it's just that you know, real-world horrors are so often more horrific than anything that we as, as horror writers can make up. That, I would agree, yes. Um, uh, yeah, I, I wanted this scenario uh, not to be about. Well, I, I want to be careful. Again, spoilers. I want to. Mm. I'm trying to to to, yeah. to get to some things, but not give anything away. I wanted to have people, the investigators, be able to explore a couple of stories. My version of the Danvers Hospital is not the historical version. I mean, yeah. there are, uh, yes, the, 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 the building that they'll visit or the place that, that, that it gets visited is, it was a historical place, but certainly none of the people were real. And, and I wanted the players to be able to um, sort of investigate some strange goings-on in a way that uh, they're going to bump up against um, supernatural happenings, perhaps. Uh, or, or maybe they'll question how much of this is... is uh, can, can we trust? We know this place has a reputation, uh, and we know that oftentimes people that may be there in the scenario have very different perceptions of reality. So maybe the, the investigators might question, what's the reality of this place? What's the reality of what I'm hearing from these people? Can I trust my own sense impressions mm. as we explore this place and the people that are there? So I think that might be the lightning aspect where the keeper and the players can have a bit of fun, again, not in a poking at anyone fashion but but sort of have a, a bit of fun with exploring the the sensations that they're going through as the, as they explore the game and uh, work with uh, what's what's reality here what's not reality can we trust our own senses and and sort of have a a bit of fun with with playing with with levels of reality mm. yeah. so we're recording this at Necronomicon which I mean, is is a, an amazing convention, a fantastic convention. I mean, one thing that strikes me as sort of unique about it for you know a lot of the conventions I go to is that it, it is so many different things in one. Do, do you find yourself you know treating this as or, or seeing it primarily as a gaming convention, or are you here for a bit of everything? I'm here really. I would say probably. Seventy percent gaming, thirty percent everything else. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, but it really is. Uh, that's just through my lens. I, mm. There, there are there are people. I'm I'm passing people on the streets of Providence who, I'm thinking I haven't I haven't seen them all convention. Yes. Uh, and, and I'm guessing that these are folks that are here for the literary track or that are here for the cinema track or the art track. Uh, so um, there are so many things going on here. Um, and every, I think this is the third or fourth Necronomicon Providence I've been to. Every year is a little bit different. Um, yes. uh, every time, it's every other year we, that the convention happens. But some years I've sort of closeted myself in the, in the gaming rooms and I've, I've only come up for air very, very occasionally and gone to a few other things. Other years I've gone to many more of the panels and 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 not played uh, hardly any games. Oh but, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but but the further along I uh, I go through through the conventions, uh, I do find myself uh, drawn more and more to the gaming aspect. Mm. Um, 
And I think that's because um, having done the panels, and the panels are great every time, but uh, I just find myself wanting to game with different people. Yeah. Uh, from from people come from all over to come to this to this uh, to this event, and I find it just for me personally most rewarding to to experience uh, the gaming with people that I wouldn't otherwise get the chance to interact with. Yeah, it's almost frustrating in that respect because it, it is such an embarrassment of riches that no matter what you do, you're missing out on something else amazing. That's right. It's 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 like a it's like a several day pass uh, to a place like Walt Disney World, which yeah. I, if some of the listeners have been there. It's such a massive place and there's so many things going on that if you try to do everything, first of all, you're not going to be able to do it. And secondly, you'll just come out exhausted. I and mean, we're, we're coming out exhausted as it is. Yes. Um, so I, <laughs> I think you, you just have to pick and choose. And, and you're right, Scott, with embarrassment of riches, uh, the, the organizers do a fantastic job oh, of yes. just piling on so many interesting things. And there are so many events happening at the same time that you just have to kind of decide how you're going to navigate through the through the event. And uh and, and I've never come away from a Necronomicon uh, Providence regretting the choices that I've made. I've always felt like, geez, I've, I've found treasure here and wonderful things here and all of this. And I know that if I'd chosen other ways, I probably would have come, come away feeling just as enriched. Mm. So I think it's, there's no way to lose. You just, you just have to experience it and enjoy it. But just kind of reconcile with the fact that, yeah, you aren't going to see everything. You're just going to... You're just going to have to focus your energies on uh, where you want them to be and just kind of take it in and, and enjoy. Uh, and again, though, the organizers do a wonderful job of putting all of the information out there. So you oh, really yes. you don't feel like you, you're ignorant of, of, of what was out there to be to be had. Um, you just have to decide looking at the, 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 the readouts. What's what are you going to do? Well, I think let's wrap things up on that note. Uh, well, thank you very much for your time. Well, Brian. Thank, thank you, Scott, for the opportunity for this conversation. Blasphemous Tomes.com mm-hmm.